Hello and welcome to the Christmas finale of In Defense of, a movie podcast. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Jamie! Put that cookie down! Aaron, somehow we got all the way to our season one finale before talking about an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, I don't know how it's taken us (laughs) this long. I actually had to go back and look because I I was like, I could have sworn we've done an Arnold movie, but we haven't. We haven't, no. And what's crazy is when you recommended this film, it never occurred to me that this actually had bad ratings. But no. then when I watched it again a couple days ago, um, everything became a little more clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are talking today about 1996's Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Alien Predators. Inhuman Terminators. Nuclear Terrorists. One man has conquered them all. Now, he faces his most fearsome challenge ever. To buy his son the most wanted toy in the nation. On the day before Christmas. This movie sits on Rotten Tomatoes at 15%, and the audience score is 38%. A budget of $60 million, uh, 20 of which I think went to Arnold. And the box office take was 129.8, which for a comedy adjusted for inflation is not too shabby. Mm-hmm. First off, Merry, Merry Holiday, Happy Christmas, whatever your uh, preference is. Season's <laughs> greeting to you, uh, Dan. <laughs> uh, Merry Crimbus. Um, Merry Flat Earther to you. <laughs> so, Aaron, we've been, uh, season one has been going for about six months now. Yeah. And uh, I think we've both been kind of wondering what a Christmas episode would look like. Mm-hmm. And what better way than to revisit this holiday classic? So what was your first experience in watching uh, this movie? Man, you know, I realized that I have a really strange memory about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household that didn't celebrate Christmas. And not only did they not celebrate it, they were pretty uh, pretty opposed to it. Like, very, very yeah. anti-Christmas. But, um, of course, being movie fans at the time, we watched everything that Arnold did. And I remember when this movie came to theaters, my dad and I kind of snuck out to see it because he was a little more accepting of it. And... Um, I just remember how weird it felt to be sneaking out to see a Christmas mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And then when we watched it later on home video, I just remember my parents' reaction to it. Like, they, you, you would think that we were watching, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something. Like, they took mm-hmm. it so literally and treated it kind of like a horror movie. Like, the, the, the intensity in this movie, like, about, like, the Christmas capitalism and, and all that stuff. They, they, they acted as if this was what it's really like out there. <laughs> oh, it is like that out there, Dan. It kind of is, but at the time I was so confused because I was like, I don't think this, I think this is like uh exaggeration, you guys. Yeah. But they, you know, I remember my my mom like standing there just being like, oh my God, can you believe this film? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a weird experience because it wasn't really a comedy in my house. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Aaron? 
Uh, for me, it wasn't uh, anything as extreme. Obviously, growing up being a huge Arnold fan, watching all mm-hmm. his like action movies and stuff. So naturally, like you said, this movie comes out. I want to see it, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the theaters or anything. But obviously, when it came to uh, VHS, I definitely rented it and watched it. And uh, I remember liking it as a kid. The interesting thing for me, though, was I remember when I first watched it as a kid, as a kid, because I had a dad um, who ran his own business, and he was always away, always away, always missing things, and uh, so I remember, like, as a kid, I I identified with uh, Jamie in the movie mm. because you know he like always wanted his dad to be there, but his dad was off like working and doing things, and um, you know being that classic baby boomer dad. Yeah, and, missing uh, the important dates and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And then always trying to like make a, make up with a gift. And now I like I should I should probably give my like dad a little bit more credit cuz he wasn't that bad. Like I remember him taking to me to like all my like sporting events and soccer games and things like that. But mm. There is still was like a bit of like he wasn't he wasn't there for certain events or if he was there he'd be like answering his cell phone in the middle of like <laughs> a family event or something and it was always like yeah. some somewhere so it was like it was like really weird weird for me because it was like bringing me back all these Aww. these childhood memories but I still enjoyed it I don't know what it is about seeing Arnold like this huge hulk hulking like Austrian <laughs> man just yeah. in in the most regular guy role ever uh, it yeah. just it's something about it it's just so entertaining it's a very different movie for arnold this mm-hmm. is during his strange comedic turn yeah. um it's no surprise that uh tim allen was at one point in time attached to play his role mm-hmm. and uh joe pesci was attached to play sinbad's role um yeah but when they cast arnold they realized that joe pesci couldn't really be as physically, um, wouldn't be on the same level as Arnold. Yeah. And couldn't really push him around as convincingly. So they ended up digging up Sinbad, who, as I understand it, Aaron, is basically improvising his way through this whole film. <laughs> yeah. To, to mixed, to mixed uh, returns. The, the peak of, the, is of Sinbad's career. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man, I'm right. With, I found this movie mildly triggering, just in the kind of weird memories it brought back, like the, the yeah. climate around Christmas each year, because mm-hmm. it, it was so strange. While other kids were like unwrapping their Turbo Mans and having these great holidays, my family was hunkering down like it was like the end of days or something. You know, mm-hmm. we would get these big boxes of presents from my grandma, and then uh, kind of like half-heartedly open them and not try to try to not look too excited about what she sent us yeah <laughs> it's re- really conflicting um Aaron I've made a list of six fundamental questions that I want to ask you about this movie <laughs> okay <laughs> um so we're we're going we're traveling back to the days before online shopping mm-hmm. um actually you know what before I even ask these questions for the listeners who may might not be familiar with this film or perhaps just haven't seen it in a while why don't you explain to us what the movie's about and then I'll ask you my questions okay so we have Arnold Schwarzenegger who plays Howard Langston uh, Sinbad as Myron Larrabee who is the kind of antagonist in the show uh, mm-hmm. Phil Hartman 
who plays Ted uh, Moulton, which is Arnold's or Howard's uh, neighbor. Mm-hmm. Creepy, like, <laughs> mom-hitting-on neighbor. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, then we have Rita Wilson as Liz Langson, Howard's wife, and Jake Lloyd um, mm. as Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, I mean J- Jamie Langston, his son. Oh, Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Man, just as a total segue before we go any further, I, I still feel bad about what happened to Jake Lloyd. Yeah. You know, he, he did not deserve any of the hate that he got. Well, if he only had a good dad to get him a good oh present, maybe he wouldn't have turned into such a monster. <laughs> if if Obi-Wan got him his Turbo Man toy, maybe yeah. he, he wouldn't have killed all those Tusken Raiders. <laughs> person and my name is Anakin. I'm gonna try so hard to not talk about Star Wars during this episode. It's gonna be hard though. <laughs> um, okay yeah so as far as the plot goes um, those are kind of the characters that you need to know about and yeah. uh, what happens is Arnold Howard he is like I said your babe classic baby boomer dad who is just always working always kind of like I'm the bread breadwinner in this house like i i make the money and so if i want to go and like work late at work and miss things it's fine because at the end of the day i'm the one like bringing in the money kind of thing like i'm reading between the lines but that seems to be his kind of attitude in the in the movie Mm-hmm. And so he's constantly letting his son, uh, Jamie, down throughout the movie, missing events because he's always working or he's always doing something else. And he just doesn't really prioritize uh, his family things over uh, work, which, yeah. it, which it seems like. And uh, so he in the beginning of the movie, it starts out where there Jamie has like a karate. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, like a like a demonstration to move up in his next uh, belt, belt, uh, color. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so he, so Arnold obviously misses it. And then he goes and it goes and talks to his son at the end of the night and is trying to make it up to him and like basically saying whatever he can to get on back on the good side of his son. And he promises him this toy called Turbo Man, which is, um, if you were a kid, just think of any, any, any toy that you wanted when you were a kid. It's like, that's, 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 basically what happened in there it's like the Um, red ranger yeah 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 exactly and uh i would imagine it'd be like kids wanting like an iron man toy now yeah Um, probably more or less yeah some something like that anyways and uh yeah so he pro he promises him this toy and he said he's gonna get it for him and everything and we find out that his wife actually told him to pick it up two weeks ago but of course again he's too busy and forgot about it so he heads out on Christmas Day to go find the toy, which is, it ends up being the most popular and in-demand toy and is sold out everywhere. So um, it just kicks off a bunch of zany events that he goes through to in order to um, find uh, this toy. And he meets Sinbad, who is Myron, and uh, he's kind of in the same boat where he is just like... Uh, 
yeah, just he's a mailman. And so he says in the movie that he was just he's too busy delivering people's mail again with the whole like working thing so that he's too busy to um, to go pick up the toy. And he and they kind of like fight each other and keep showing up <laughs> at the same things um, yeah. in order to try to get a turbo man. Excuse me. Yes, I'm trying to find a turbo man doll. Me too. Me too. Do you have any more in the back? <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> these, these guys are looking for a turbo man? A gentleman <laughs> dog, yes. <laughs> They're looking for turbo man. <laughs> hey, everybody, these two are looking for a turbo man. Shut up, man. Now, what's so funny? Where have you guys been? Eventually, he does. Uh, he, he goes through quite a bit of events, and he does. <laughs> yeah. He does like get him the toy. Um, also, while somehow finding himself in a Turbo Man costume, <laughs> and then yeah. at the end, uh, at the end of the movie, cue the uh, Christmas moment where um, Jamie realizes that Christmas isn't about like having toys, but having his dad there, and he donates the toy. Uh, to Myron to give to his son, and that's kind of that kind of ties up, I guess, this whole entire movie. Yeah, and hopefully Myron's able to actually give that toy to his kid before he gets put in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's 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 a lot of things I really enjoy about this film, um, but the one thing, Aaron, that drives me absolutely nuts to this day is how his uh, is how Jamie and Liz don't recognize him when he's in the Turbo Man costume. It drives me nuts. He he's just wearing a visor. There's nothing else obscuring his face. He obviously, you know, Arnold's accent is so famous, and and, and like, is he that absent of a father that they don't even know what he sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he had a voice muffler on barely. <laughs> barely i don't know if clark kent can put glasses on and no one will recognize him a visor and like a, a, a helmet around his face it's it's plausible near the end there liz and jamie are looking right at him and he's and they're having a conversation <laughs> and it's not until he like shows his hair that they realize it's howard You can always count on me. <laughs> okay, so um, Aaron, let's dive in. I, I I have eight fundamental questions to ask you now. I actually came up okay. with two more while you were oh, talking. No. <laughs> that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. So um, here we go. No wrong answers. Okay. So okay. fundamental question number one: Why is this movie called Jingle All the Way? Mm, that is a good question. Because they needed a name. What were, okay, let me ask you, let me answer your question with another question. Okay. What would you call this movie if not Jingle All the Way? Turbo Man? I don't know. I, I, I would call it like Turbo Dad or something, you know, or uh, something to do with the Turbo Man doll, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably call it like a Turbo Christmas or something. I don't know. Jingle, Turbo Jingle Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, I will accept that. So basically, they just they just needed a they just yeah. pulled a unused 
holiday song name out of their hat and used it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. My next fundamental question. In the beginning, Arnold's character interacts with what appears to be an assistant. He's at his desk. He's on the phone, obviously very busy. This lady comes mm-hmm. in and like flashcards very specific things about his schedule. Now, yeah. is that his assistant or is that a secretary? And if it is his assistant, why would she not have hounded him about getting the toy earlier? Mm-mm. We're going deep there. She, she probably <laughs> did hound him for it but he's just a monumental trash bag that he <laughs> trash bag. didn't even pay attention to her. he's just like ah oh, women women can't tell me what to do and probably just went home and like um ate like six helpings of mashed potatoes <laughs> and went to bed that's really sad but it's probably true <laughs> I-, I love how I- she she had she had the flashcards so nailed that she knew exactly how his character was going to respond yeah to the t that's so sad. He sold how? Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah, is how can someone be selling that many beds? Like, is he selling to hotels or something? Yeah, it's probably hotel chains. I'm guessing that's where they do mm. the bulk of their business. What was weird to me is like they're having this big staff party in in what looks like a kind of a warehouse, but it had nothing <laughs> in it. But it couldn't have been like a sales floor because there was nothing in it. And for a company that sells mattresses, it looked like Google or something. And yeah. Arnold seems to be the only person that's working and everyone else is downstairs like partying. And then I, I was thinking because of how open that place is, you think that the first people to arrive there would have been like super awkward, just like in this big warehouse. Yeah, very, it is very strange. It's a very strange setup. Um, mm-hmm. Fundamental question number three. And uh, for this one, your answer needs to be uh, between one and five, okay? So, okay. how many layers of clothes does it take to hide Arnold's muscles? <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with five. <laughs> yeah. I think at one point in time I counted four. Um, they, they're so desperate to, to make Arnold look like the everyday guy and not like the Austrian bodybuilder Terminator he is that they put him in the baggiest clothes imaginable throughout this entire film. There's this one shot where he's in just a t-shirt and it's like, probably two sizes too large on him just to try to make him look like more family man and accessible yeah are you sure though that's just not because i feel like all dads in the 90s dressed with overly sized clothes i'm pretty sure that they're just trying to hide him yeah okay fundamental question number four how long is this day now (laughs) the reason i ask is um Mm -hmm. They do a lot of, like, really neat things in this movie. You know who I always complain about, like, the passage of time and giving an idea of how long things... They, yeah. they do a couple of really good tricks. They do this, like, montage where Arnold's... All, all these different, like, toy shop logos are flying past his head and you see the clock mm-hmm. winding. So you get the idea that he's been on the hunt for a long, long time. But, Aaron, this seems... This movie almost feels like it's playing out in real time. Like, mm. this is Christmas Eve and... I think we're maybe, how long is this movie in real time? Is it three or four hours that all this stuff happens in? Yeah, it's got to be. It seems like he gets up uh, quite early and then he's, he's first thing in the morning, he's out the house. Yeah, like right after breakfast, hey? Yeah. Now, I seem to recall when he's leaving the house, is Ted already there? Was he hanging his lights or was that in the, no, that was the scene before he was hanging his yeah, lights. Yeah, when, okay. when he gets home. 
man, I just could not believe. Like, I, when, the last time I watched this, I didn't realize that how short of a passage of time this is because um, usually parades start like around one or two, something like that. Mm-hmm. And the parade, which is shot in like Universal Studios, is very obvious backlot or uh, soundstage kind of set. Um, you can tell there's this one shot where you see like this bright green full tree in the background. You can tell that it's it's literally like the middle of July or something like that that they're filming in, Aaron. So yeah. <laughs> everyone's wearing all these like layers and layers of clothes in the Californian sun. <laughs> So by the time they're at the parade, it seems like it's just the afternoon. So all these crazy antics with the Santas at the mall, um, like all the different toy stores he goes to, this all happens before 1, 2 o'clock? Yeah, I I have no idea. I mean, if you're if you're thinking that this is going to be like an even flowing <laughs> movie, like you picked the wrong movie. Well, I was just I, I was just very interested in the passage of time in this film because it would just it just seems so jam packed. Yeah. Well, I would argue this. If you you like there was still quite a bit of daylight, you could argue that um maybe it was around like 3 3:30 and if you, the, the, the that the parade happened. And so if you go mm-hmm. with that, then you could say then you could say that he kind of just you can kind of justify um, how much time he spent like shopping for the toy it, it, assuming that he left his house or he arrived at malls at whenever they open which is what like nine o'clock yeah but i mean there's even a part where his truck runs out of gas and he pushes it from a bridge oh, yeah. like all the way over <laughs> to a diner and you're just like man he gets around in a real hurry hey 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 look who it is oh still on the hunt huh yeah Hey, sorry about whacking your toy store. You know, I got kind of caught up in a friendly spirit of competition. Oh, that's all right. Don't worry. But I was thinking you'd have done the same thing. Yeah, well, you know what? I kind of, I kind of, I liked it because it, it made it seem like it gave you a sense of how hectic and everything that he was going through. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of made you, it kind of gave you the sense that, um, a sense of urgency for him, um, where if he didn't come through, that everything was going to be over for him as a father. Like, it was going to be ultimate disappointment for his son, and he would have let him down. Right. Yeah, the stakes seem to be almost like his entire marriage crumbling if he doesn't get mm-hmm. this toy. Yeah, and not to mention, he's got, uh, what's his name? His Ted. neighbor, Ted, just lurking around the corner and waiting for him to make a mistake so he can Ugh. swoop in and pick up his wife. Man, he made me wildly uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. The, the first scene when he takes the apron off Liz. Oh my gosh, my skin was crawling. Liz, looks like you could use a little you time. Why don't you go upstairs, take a shower? I'll keep an eye on the boys, finish up with the cookies. Oh no. Da, da, da. Go on. You deserve it. Uh. Oh. He was probably my WTF moment of this entire movie because as a kid, I didn't pick up on any of this humor that was going on. I was just like, oh, like um, he tried to hit on his wife, but I didn't understand that um, because I think his son at one point says, no, my dad wasn't like that until he got a divorce. Until he got a divorce. Yeah, and so Ted is just trying to pick up moms and have affairs with like all these moms and i assume that these moms are still married uh because like obviously he's hitting on uh howard's wife 
right? Yeah, yeah. Our introduction to him, uh, I think three different women kind of approach him while he's on the bleachers there and say, "Oh, thanks for this, thanks for that, thanks for doing this." Like the guy is making the rounds. Yeah, and and also I have no idea if he is just selling himself to these women or is he actually sleeping with them. I have no idea. I don't know. He's such a weird, uh, creepy character. Um, yeah. Like I don't care how many layers he's wearing. You do not make a move on Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. Like for goodness sakes, no. I it sounds it just the the whole premise and the setup. Like why is Howard letting this happen? Like why? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. What's neat is he's he's so unthreatened by him that he doesn't remove him from his house forcefully like he's so assured of himself in the situation or maybe he's not maybe he's so wrapped up in his own thing that he doesn't actually realize what's going on that could be a theory too like he's so distant to his wife that he doesn't even realize like what the stakes are here Hmm. yeah maybe he thinks he's just like an overly nice person or something I don't know. This, Which this is per- also a problem with uh, Howard is being a scummy husband now, um, that he's like not paying enough attention to this stuff. Yeah, it seems it's such a it's such a bizarre uh, choice. Um, and that's okay. Um, before we get to that, actually, no. Let's let's talk about that that fundamental question first before we jump mm-hmm. into that. Um, as I understand it, there's two different versions of this film. There was a theatrical cut, and then there was a uh, like family fun edition that added just not really anything important, but there was a mm-hmm. lot more footage. So you have that. And then it's on record that Sinbad and Arnold um, improvised a lot of their scenes together and their conversations yeah. together. And then there's this moment um, at the 56-20 minute yeah, the 56-minute mark where Arnold is, he's in Ted's house and he's fighting a reindeer and one mm-hmm. of the nativity heads um, flies into the fireplace and lights a fire. And when Arnold realizes that the place is up in smoke, the camera zooms in on him and he very obviously mouths the words, oh, F, but they dub it over with ADR and just make him say, oh, no. Mm-hmm. So when you factor all that in, um, with this weird Ted character, um, you know, there's a lot of like alcohol themes that kind of pop up here and there that I'll get to in yeah. a sec. Aaron, I feel like what was shot, like the tone and the vision behind this film was a lot more adult oriented than what ended up actually in theaters. Yeah, do you get, I will, do you get that yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I was just going to mention even the one part when he first meets uh, Sinbad in the line there and Sinbad goes off on this like uh, rant and then he grabs a lady and starts choking her like randomly and then he's just like, oh, you shouldn't wear fur. Like, what does that mean? Do you just choke animals? <laughs> like, Introduction oh, to this man. character is choking yeah. a woman. Yeah. And then later on, when this movie goes straight up Looney Tunes, uh, he he bombs a squad of police like an entire floor blows them up and with a bomb like it's um there's something in my head tells me and i have no idea verifying this that this movie was originally shot to be like a really dark comedy like a really dark adult comedy but then when they got it to the cutting room floor it's almost as if none of that really works so they cut it down to like this you know, this little PG film. Ed? Howard! Hey, buddy! How's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Ted, I need to speak to Liz. Uh, could you get... Mm. Oh! 
Howard, excuse me, but your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? Oh, man, I really like that you said that. Because I was going to pitch this idea to you that they remake this movie, Jingle All the Way, but they kind of give it like a Joker spin to it. Oh, man. Where it's like, it, where it deals with uh, like corporationism and um, like greed and all that stuff. Because at the like, at the core of this, of this movie, that's essentially what they're trying to tackle in it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like this, sorry, this movie's rated G, but I'm telling you, it is a glass of wine away from being an R-rated dark comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's like I it's it's really shocking when you start pulling it apart and 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 paying attention to some of the little nuances and things mm-hmm. they're trying to do. Like every scene is ultra violent um but that but then again it's like toned down almost at the last minute, you know? Yeah. Um it's it's just as violent as any of Arnold's other action movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every scene ends in an explosion or a bomb like or a fist fight yeah. or some sort of outburst of violence. Oh my gosh, that bomb scene I think is probably the one scene that drove me insane the most. Because if you if you like have a package and you claim it's a bomb and it ends up blowing up, you're essentially a terrorist and people like Homeland Security or whoever it is should be coming after you. And yeah. I feel like they just get away like, you know, free and then until he runs into him later. Hey! Back up! This is a homemade explosive device, and I'll blow it up. Know why? Because I work for the post office, so you know I'm not stable. Tell them. Imagine this film if, like, Jack Bauer was trying to get his kid a Christmas present. Yes. (laughs) Turbo Mountain. And then he just comes across, like, some crazy terrorist leader, you know, like, incel or whatever, (laughs) who's, like, trying to get the same present. I feel like that's what this movie could have been. Oh, my gosh. That's a great... And then he has like, and then between each scene, there's a little countdown, the time to the parade. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, he's gotta, I gotta stop this terrorist before the parade starts so I can get this yeah. toy to my son. Gentlemen, you've been duped. <sighs> this is nothing but a harmless Christmas package. Okay, so it's conspiracy theory time. Aaron, my next fundamental question. Mm-hmm. What happened to Ted's wife, and is she the reindeer? <laughs> what? Okay, hear me out. Hear okay. me out. This makes no sense, but it popped in my mind while watching it, and I couldn't stop laughing about it. I feel like Ted somehow, through some sort of dark magic, maybe he sold his okay. soul, made some sort yeah. of offering to the devil... Yeah. Turned his wife into that reindeer, and that's why she was so protective of the house. And mm. that's why she was so mad. My only flaw <laughs> with that logic is <laughs> logic. <laughs> well, thanks for calling it logic. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> My only problem with that logic is if your husband turns you into a reindeer and then yeah. Arnold comes around. You're not going to growl at Arnold. You're going to be friends with him. Well, no, because she wants the Turbo Man toy to go to her son just as much as Ted does. No, but before he leaves, or as he's leaving the house in the morning, Ted greets him with the reindeer, and it growls at him outside. Right. Right by his car. Well, maybe they have an alliance. Maybe she wants Arnold out of the picture so Ted can finally be happy with his wife. 
There's a whole thing here, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> and then, and then Arnold ends up uh, sharing a drink with the reindeer. Just gives it a bunch of beer before he leaves. Oh well, before after he punches it in the face, which is also one of my favorite parts of this entire movie. Yeah, and Arnold misses. A golden opportunity for a catchphrase. He just doesn't stick the landing. Reindeer wife, highly plausible. <laughs> okay, but if, if it's not the reindeer, uh, can you just imagine, like, the, the year earlier, Ted's, like, uh, making his Christmas list to Santa, and he's just like, Dear Santa Claus, I want my wife to turn into a reindeer so I can get remarried <laughs> to Liz. And then, like, Ding, 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 little, like, you know, mm, Christmas music. Yeah. <laughs> he wakes up next to a reindeer. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm way out there on this one. Okay. Why do you think they really got divorced? Do you think he was just, like, a pig and he was always hitting on, on another woman and stuff? Is that uh, it's probably uncomfortable having sex with a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's the antlers. It's hard to work with. Oh, yeah. That technically means it's a male male one. So <laughs> turned, Santa turned her into a male reindeer. Yeah, why not? That's what I'm so going with. So the reason they got a divorce is because <laughs> Santa turned her into a male reindeer. That's what I'm going to go with. There we go. Okay. That solves that. <laughs> okay. Um... My next fundamental question about this film. Um, does it not seem like um does it not seem like Howard's in a really, really unhealthy marriage per se? Mm. Like it seems very performance based. Because there's two different ways of looking at it. There's one that's like he's like the boomer dad who's being mm-hmm. distant and stuff. But then there's the other way of looking at it where he's like working his hardest to like provide for the family and like at one point in time, his wife literally says the words, damn you, Howard. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, it I, it's just seems definitely, really yeah. intense. I think uh, I think that is. Like, I, you know, all of us who grew up in the 90s with uh, hardworking dads like that, like, um, I don't know. I, I like it, it, like I got I got his character, even though he's working hard. He he's kind of one of those people where it seems it seems like the the means justifies the ends or whatever kind of thing. Mm. And uh, so he's okay neglecting his family. He's okay neglecting his wife and his marriage because, like I said, at the end of the day, he's bringing home money, he's supporting everyone. And so he justifies it that way in his head. And that's how I kind of perceived it. Okay, so I believe this is fundamental question number seven, Aaron. Okay. Now... This is totally up for debate, but I was curious about this. Is why do you think they only have one kid? Like demographically mm. speaking, this kind of jumped out at me as to why their family did only have one kid. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reindeer ate the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe he was like, "I'm too busy. I'm selling beds to my number one customers. <laughs> yeah. I only had time for one Jamie. <laughs> for one, for one Jamie. So Put you would have named You would have named his other kid Jamie too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the star of Jingle All the Way too, Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> joins us right now. With this is kind of a Fox News alert. You have a shirt with sleeves. <laughs> 
my last point, which I thought was interesting, was um, alcohol comes up a lot in this movie, but in mm-hmm. weird kind of ways that yeah. seem a little bit unsubtle. Yeah. My question is, did did Ted struggle with alcohol? Because in the car, he um, offers Liz some alcohol-free eggnog. Mm. And then that scene where Arnold's drinking beer out back of the house, I, th- it seems like the beer was hidden in the back in like a shed or something. Yeah, was that Ted's shed? I thought that was Ted's shed. I thought Ted had beer hidden in his shed. So I was like, is Ted like a closet? Uh, is he like a struggling uh, uh, alcoholic or like is there a deeper story that got cut here as to why his wife left him and it's like mm. it got really twisty in my head and I was like ooh I wonder I should ask Aaron about that yeah I'm gonna definitely go with that and say he was an alcoholic that's oh man back to the tone of this film that that's just weird that that's in here and that you can kind of like see the remnants of it you know yeah another scene in this movie where I like like audibly gasped at was when his when he when he's in the bar and uh, Sinbad's there and then he starts picturing his son as Sinbad like drinking alcohol oh my god yeah <laughs> I was like wow I can't believe like this made it <laughs> here's to you dad he says yeah, yeah and then like, he just oh. drinks alcohol <laughs> he's got the postal hat on yeah oh my goodness yeah it was it was like the most scroogey thing to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so weird. It would have been funnier if like uh, all of a sudden he saw like a hologram of Anakin slaughtering younglings. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I have seen a security hologram of him killing younglings. Aaron, this movie has so many layers. So many layers. Let's get into some of the the fun stuff here because there's okay. um there's a lot of neat little details. Um, this this movie um has a has a few fun cameos, including uh, the late Vern Troyer. Uh, one thing I want to mention um in our Love Guru episode, we didn't mention uh, that Vern Troyer had passed away during that episode. Mm-hmm. So rest in peace, Vern Troyer. I was I was I forgot that he was in this, and so I was like, oh yeah. It was. I think it was his first role. Yeah, before, there was a couple uh, people who had their first roles in this movie. Uh, Chris Parnell as well. Yeah, that was kind of interesting seeing him. I don't know. And the, and the giant Santa Claus was Big Show. I don't know if this was the first movie he's ever been in though. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, but that was cool seeing Big Show and Arnold score mm-hmm, off. Like a super young Big Show. Yeah, really young. Yeah. Yeah, Arnold like smashes a candy cane over him. I love that scene where he where he fights all those Santas. It's so I never good. why are they all dressed as Santas while they do this operation? Oh, because you, know, you know, they're normally on the street hustling people and luring them in. And uh they were just all there at at the exact same time for some reason. <laughs> for a fight don't... scene. They don't bother to get changed. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to fill in the in between the lines here and say that they were all coming back to the uh, sketch factory there because they were about all ready to go home. And then that's when Arnold showed mm. up and started fighting everyone. Yeah. They probably all came by to like punch the clock and say mm-hmm. bye. Yeah. Oh, maybe exactly. That's it. Maybe there was a Christmas Eve like staff luncheon or something before mm-hmm. they all headed out. 
you know how I know that Arnold is a or Howard is a better man than I am? At that point, <laughs> I would have I would have got like the knockoff uh, toy, and I would have just put the arms back in the box and like taped it up and gave that to my child. And been like, I don't know what happened. We'll get you a new one. <laughs> and that's like what that's that would be the movie for me. Like, don't worry, I got the receipt. I'll get a new one. Yeah. We'll get Play you with a it new until one. we get a new one, and yeah. then and then I'll go to the store and be like, "Oh, they didn't have any. I'll get you as I'll get you one as soon as they're in stock." This movie has a really good um, like moral lesson in it about about lying. Um, mm-hmm. I kept thinking how many movies I've seen in my life where the plot is entirely because someone just told a white lie and then it just snowballed out of control. Yeah, this one's definitely up there, but there's a lot a lot of movies that do this. Hmm. But it's it's interesting because it's kind of a series of lies. He lies to Jamie. He lies to his wife. One thing that bugs me about this film um, is that in the end, it kind of ends with Arnold being hoisted up on people's shoulders. And it's like, yay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, I just don't think that Howard deserves that kind of praise at the end of this film. No, I would I would 100% agree with you. Because you do one good deed and make up for one thing does not mean that you're forgiven for the like huge pile of like crap that you've done. Yeah, there's a there's a part of me that's not sure if I'm supposed to like Howard. Mm-hmm. Um especially when he comes out dressed as Turbo Man, he starts waving to the crowd and he's like, "Oh, I could get used to this." And you're like, "Look, uh, Howard, do you remember why you're here? Do you even know why you're here? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're is like your son's out there somewhere, dude. Like, what are yeah. you thinking right now? He just disappears into the fame and whatever this Turbo Man is, and it just it's it's so tonally weird because um, it's like he just completely loses track of anything but this cheering crowd. Mm-hmm. It's like Arnold's playing a Tim Allen character, and it only works so long as you like the main character. But I mean, Arnold has so much charisma that it's hard to not like him. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, his character, the kind of choices he makes and, and the, the weird, selfish things he does, you know, he's not really any better than Sinbad's character, Myron. He's just he just has different motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well, a little weird like that. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what I actually liked about... Because um, I was reading one thing uh, about this movie, and they were hesitant to cast Sinbad in this movie um, because I guess he was kind of, like, established his, like, good, clean, like, humor, right? And they didn't want... His agent didn't want him to be uh, painted as a bad guy in this movie. But I think that uh, Sinbad actually ended up taking the role because he thought that people would end up sympathizing with him more. And in this movie, I think I sympathize more with uh, Sinbad than I did with anyone else. Yeah, I th- yeah. there's a lot of that. Um, and there's there's the moment where they genuinely connect when they're, you know, when they're drinking a coffee at that cafe. Yeah. Um, where you kind of feel like the movie's going to shift and maybe they're going to team up. Um, which is where kind of your head tells you that it's going. And then maybe mm-hmm. the bad guy would just be like the police officer or, you know, you'd think that they would both come out on top. Um, but that's just not, it, they, they're both their character arcs reset the moment they walk out of that cafe yeah. and they're back to butting heads again. <laughs> yeah. 
I would have liked to have seen them unite at that point and have that be the turning point. And then they start doing good for, you know, basically I, I would like them to both be hoisted up at the end, mm -hmm. but I would like it for them to earn that. And I don't feel like either of them really earned it. Um, I think Howard deserves to be going to jail just as much as, as Myron does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I think he deserves to be going to jail more. Actually, you know what? I'm on Team Myron in this movie. You know, he's like a hardworking, blue-collared man who's just doing postal service work, trying to make ends meet. He even he even quotes. He, what does he say? He says that he, like, married someone who did everyone in the post office but him. Yeah, in this in yeah. this family Christmas movie. Yeah, and so he gets left with like a single child. He's working his butt <laughs> off at this job, and all he wants to do is get his son a turbo man. And then here you have uh, Howard, who's like this hotshot mattress salesman, has a secretary, has a wife, has like a great home, and the only excuse that he really has for not having the toy is because he's just a crappy dad. Yeah, and then the movie ends with Myron being hauled off to jail while he's hoisted on the shoulders of this adoring crowd and hauled around, and he's yeah. eating it up. He's absolutely eating it up. Um, but Myron did <laughs> deliver a bomb to, like, he gave a bomb. He didn't know it was a bomb. Uh, he, it doesn't matter. If you, say you, <laughs> if you joke and you say you have a bomb and you don't know it's an actual bomb and it ends up going off, you've created, committed a big crime. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's just weird because the more I talk about it, the less I like Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in this film. Yeah. It's just, it's such a tonally strange thing. Sometimes, move, you know, movies when they have weird editing and writing like this, they do this weird psychological thing to you where, like, you know how you should feel and yet you never quite get there because you're too caught mm. up in the the obstacles, you know? Yeah, 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 I get that. Because when the movie starts... It could be anything. It could be it could be a diehard movie for all for all you know. But <laughs> yeah. then it kind of turns Looney Tunish and it goes more off the rails, and, and you know all these antics start happening. And the, the only way they seem to be able to make us feel bad for Arnold is for bad things, is for him to suffer setbacks. Mm -hmm. But any of the setbacks he suffers is completely his own negligence. So you don't really feel like he deserves your pity. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like, his, his car gets jacked because he, you know, parked in a bad spot, left it unlocked, whatever. You mm -hmm. know, the Santa thing happens because he decided to try buying a black market toy. Um, he stops pursuing the kid in the bouncy ball for no no reason and then doesn't go back to the store to get another one. I don't know why he chased that one bouncy ball and didn't just grab another one off make, the floor. It didn't make any, that the whole scene. Although that scene did make me want to bounce a ball, like a bouncy ball in a, in a mall and see what happens. Yeah. I agree. That ball took <laughs> it off. It looked fun. <laughs> Legend says it's still bouncing to this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh. And there's, you know, there's all sorts of really goofy stuff, like blink and you miss it goofy stuff in this yeah. film. Um, like when um, when Simbad is dressed as the bad guy at the end, uh, Dementor or whatever his mm -hmm. name is. Yeah. He, he launches his fist like a rocket at Arnold's face. Oh, and then yeah. it, it returns back to his hand and then he moves the fingers as if like his actual hand came off his body. Yeah. And it happens so fast that your brain doesn't even have time to tell you how how wrong that is. <laughs> I just remember being like, 
How are they like they like it's a kid it, it's a kid's like action figure. They don't have uh functioning suits. Like it's not a superhero movie. So why does like Turbo Man have a functioning like rocket back and like boomerang and disc shooter and stuff? Yeah, this movie goes off the rails. And we need to talk about this parade, too, because mm-hmm. we're, this parade goes from Sonic to Gumby to Cat in the Hat, which the kids actually high-five for. They're like, yeah, Cat in the Hat, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you have this full Hollywood production float of Turbo Man, and there was this, I don't know what the scripted rehearsal was supposed to be, but clearly the jetpack was involved, and there was a big fight with all the mm-hmm. little minions, the Power Ranger minions. And it's like... There's something very suspicious about this parade. Um, it seems like it w- it went from zero to a hundred really fast. Yeah, who's getting the big payoff for this like Minneapolis Turbo Man float? You know that's defying yeah. all expectations. Oh, it's, it's it's so weird. It would be like I guess an <laughs> Iron Man float going by in like whatever the Macy's parade. Yeah. Yeah, but it goes it goes nuts. Like th- there's a jetpack for goodness sake. Or like that was... the Avengers assembling at a Christmas parade. <laughs> yeah, but full on assembling. It's not yeah. just like they're floating by. It's like oh, there's an action sequence and Iron Man's flying through the air and shooting lasers, <laughs> and you're like, wow, so glad I came to the parade today. <laughs> yeah. So, it just defies. It's so wild. Yeah, it defies any parade in the history of parades to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let me ask you this, Dan. What, yes. in your opinion, is the reason that this movie like failed so badly? I think people just have a. I think people always had a really difficult time take uh, accepting Arnold in like comedic roles. Mm. I, I think he has. But the he ability. did like in Twins. He did. He, that movie was like that movie. He made a ton, right? Like that was that movie was so successful. I think Arnold is only as funny as the the situations that he's put in. Okay. You know, because th- the funniest I've ever seen Arnold has always just been like um, his his line delivery, his like cheesy one liners he does in his action movies. Like that mm-hmm. to me is the funny Arnold. Yeah. Um, not this like Mister Freeze style Arnold who's just like you know a cartoon character. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's interesting because if you look at it, it, it has all the ingredients of a 90s hit. Yeah. It's Arnold, Sinbad, you know, Phil Hartman was no slouch at the time, rest in peace. He was, you know, coming mm-hmm. off, S, he was SNL uh, royalty at that point too. It's, yeah. Honestly, I, I really just think it was the overall tone of the film. I yeah. think people just didn't quite know how to feel. Okay. Um. Oh, actually, you know what? Sorry. I digress. There was one thing I read about how a lot of parents were really pissed off at this movie because they felt like it was miring Christmas. Mm. Um, they were they were saying how because this movie just focuses on the corporate side of things, you know, like mm-hmm. um, do, Aaron, do you remember when Tickle Me Elmo came out and everyone yeah. like lost their damn oh, minds yeah. over the, it? The old Tickle Me Elmo of '96. I remember. <laughs> Like it was the old Tickle Me Elmo of 96. <laughs> yeah. These parents saw this, and, and there was a lot of conservative groups. People forget this, but, but like, it, it wasn't until very recently that a lot of these, like, conservative um, test-focused groups had a lot more pull in Hollywood than they do these days. Mm. So when a movie came around that was a Christmas film, and, I you know, there's no mention of the Christmas story 
uh, anywhere in this film. It's mm-hmm. really not about that at all. I think a lot of these conservative groups were thinking, "This is this is um, this is ugly. This is gross. This isn't what Christmas is." Yeah. And, you know, obviously they missed the point of the film and the message, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people were just really not okay with the message it was presenting of Christmas mm. being like this corporate, icky, crazy, Black Friday-esque world. Mm-hmm. That's 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 all I can manage because everything else about it, like to this day, so many people uh, quote this as like their favorite or one of their favorite Christmas films of all time. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you're, that's there's a lot of good Christmas films out there, so... Mm-hmm. What about you, man? Is that did you, yeah? Did no, you say I, anything about that? I I I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, one of the things specifically for me of why it didn't uh, it didn't translate into a good movie is because I feel like they kind of half-assed the movie, if that makes sense. Um, mm. Where like the dialogue and the story is kind of like half-ass written. The way that they like content, there's continuous like continuity errors throughout this movie. So um, many. In his suburban, he's constantly like it's like one point it has like cloth interior, one point it's leather. Um, there's <laughs> scenes where there's people grabbing for things, and then. Um, like when it's a full body shot, they have gloves on when it's just their hand reaching for something, there's no glove on. Um, yeah. you know, there was that, that scene that with, uh, Ted and, um, Liz, Liz. Yeah. Oh where her, gosh, yeah, her, one. her seatbelt keeps coming on and off. <laughs> yeah. And a hundred times. Yeah. And, and, and so just when you get tons, tons of things like that, it just looks like there was no attention to detail that all this movie was just kind of written and then just kind of slapped together and thrown out, which also kind of makes sense too, because I was reading, uh, it's 20th century Fox that put this out, I believe. And, yeah, distributors, um, yeah. yeah, and they, and they, they kind of made this movie because I guess there was like a fallout with uh, a planet of the apes movie that they were making mm-hmm. and, uh, they just kind of offered it to the role, the main, the main role to Arnold. And I don't know, like, I think he might've, he was like, might've, I don't know the way that I read it. It seemed like he was supposed to be in the planet of the apes movie, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that movie didn't end up getting made, so he ended up starring on this. And then, yeah, it just seems like it was slapped together. Uh, with that being said, though, I do actually really like this story um, because, like I said, it kind of deals with that ugly side of uh, Christmas, like the corporation, the money, the greed side, and it kind of explores that. And I feel like you don't really see that in any Christmas movie. Like, I feel like this is, no, I shouldn't say this is the only Christmas movie that touches on it, but it's like one of the main Christmas movies where that is a constant theme from start to finish. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, uh, it's not something that a lot of films even touch on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people don't want to even admit that that part exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you, man, like this is the season, you know, driving around night now, like in Metro Vancouver, going to different malls and stuff. Yeah. It can be pretty nightmarish. Just the parking lots alone, you know, people are road raging at each other and, and it's dangerous. It's hard to find a spot. And, you know, people are freaking out and spending thousands and thousands of dollars. And it's just they're, they're 
that side all exists and yet for some reason we don't like to talk about it it's almost mm-hmm. like under the rug you know so long as we can land our butts in front of a tree on christmas day with like some turkey and stuff we're like we're okay with paying this price of like yeah kind of throwing our dignity out the window for a few weeks it's really interesting yeah um and I, th- I, I yeah this movie goes there and it goes there in a in a big way and it, it, it there's parts of this movie that legitimately make me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um like when they all are waiting for the balls uh, to be drawn for the Turbo Man, that that one, mm-hmm. you know, that one store does that lottery system, and just the way they're all grasping and jumping and so desperate, you know, and you realize that it's not just Arnold who didn't get a Turbo Man doll um, when he was supposed to. It's like all these. Yeah, presumably terrible parents by the hundreds who are all out on the streets hunting down this doll and doing all these, you know. You got to imagine if that's all the trouble that Arnold caused in five hours, imagine all the other parents and what they're (laughs) doing and going through if they're just as desperate. That's a fair point. The city must have been on fire by that evening. (laughs) My goodness. The National Guard probably came in to like, you know, riot control. They're probably tear gassing parents in the streets. It's, It's a really crazy film in that sense. And I think people just don't like to look at that side. Not in our cutesy you know christmas yeah. films yeah it, it's it's pretty crazy um i was reading that uh in the old uh tickle tickle me elmo craze of 96 that apparently <laughs> here in canada someone actually got trampled and yes, like yeah that. and got like his his face stepped on i guess is like broke a rib and things and so stuff like that actually does exist out there and does mm-hmm. go on yeah it's true it's really, really creepy. I remember my parents, like, again, like, they were so freaked out by that. They couldn't believe that such a thing would happen over, especially over a doll. Like, Tickle, mm-hmm. Tickle Me Elmo was a doll, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, Sinbad, when he does that rant, his character Myron does that rant about how we're brainwashed into wanting something so bad. Yeah. You know, that's like now. That's 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 still a factor, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like thinking I was thinking about this actually. I was trying to think of what was the last thing that I remember that came out that everybody like wanted to have. And yeah. um I remember when the Nintendo Switch came out. I actually pre-ordered a Nintendo Switch and it came out around Christmas time. And mm-hmm. uh like I'm not a huge uh gamer and so I decided to sell it and I like made money on it like selling it because it yeah. was one of those hot ticket items. Yeah, you flipped it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's 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 a spooky feeling, but mm-hmm. it's just uh yeah, it's the skeleton in the closet. It's something we don't like to focus on. Yeah. Um, especially not in such a clunky way. Like Aaron, how do you mess up the continuity of a seatbelt in a scene between two characters in a car? Yeah, it's, I it's I as have if no they idea. Sh- it's weird. It's as if they shot for five minutes, left and got coffee and came back and shot again for five minutes and tried to remember where they were. It it's is just, really weird. It, it, it amounts to probably two minutes of screen time between the two of them in yeah. total. Yeah. And that continuity error happens that many times. Yeah. It's, I don't, there's, I don't know what the reason for that would be. I really don't. No. It's really confusing. No, I think out of all the movies that we have done on this podcast so far, this movie has to be the worst for continuity errors. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy because yeah. we've reviewed quite a few bad movies. Well, yeah, the worst type of continuity errors are the ones that distract you from the movie. Mm-hmm. 
you yeah. know, I don't mind. I, there's lots of things that I don't really notice, but in this film, I was I was like, oh my goodness, this is this is a, night, a nightmare world. Yeah. <laughs> well, this didn't seem like it was that hard to shoot. Um, although I know Arnold, um, I, because they were doing a lot of shooting out in public spaces for like the mall. Um, apparently, noise was a real big concern. They had a lot mm-hmm. of like uh, people crowding them at the production and yelling and this and that. So apparently, they had a really hard time getting their takes done until they moved on to the Universal backlot. Mm. So maybe that's a reason for all the continuity is that they had to reshoot so many times. Yeah. Maybe when they were watching dailies, they were like, "Oh frick, someone yelled yelled the c word or something in the background." <laughs> now we got to go back and reshoot that tomorrow. And they're, you know, what was yeah. Arnold wearing? I don't know. Whatever. This coat. Let's go. You yeah. Know? Yeah, oh yeah, that would be that would be a great point. Like that's the best I can come up with and that's like really trying to excuse the film. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Aaron, as we slowly pull this train into the station, uh-huh. let's talk let's talk very let's hone this sucker in to very specifically about things we did like. I know we talked on the message a bit and um because <laughs> there's a couple things I, I have here and I want to get your thoughts. What okay. did you what would you like to defend about this film? So what I want to defend about this movie is um, is kind of the consumerism kind of aspect of this movie. Because even though it still does uh, exist in this day and age, I feel like we've gotten better at it. I feel like the, the types of dad that uh, Howard was are slowly becoming less and less. And uh, we're starting to see dads be like more involved in their in their children's lives and make more efforts and kind of pay attention to it. And and um, that's that's one thing that I specifically liked about the Myron character because in this movie he seems like someone that would be like better set up to be a father in the two thousands. Right. Yeah, and so for me, he kind of like represents the everyday, uh, everyday man, and it was just, um, I don't know, it was good to see him go through his struggles and acknowledge uh, things that he was doing wrong. And I think that in the uh, whenever in this universe, uh, this cinematic universe of Jingle All the Way, that Myron went home after he got out of jail, gave his son <laughs> that. Turbo Man doll and <laughs> yeah. became like a better father. Whereas in Arnold, I'm thinking he probably more or less stayed the same because eventually yeah. Jamie went on to slaughter all of tons of younglings <laughs> and, well, and again, sand it's the, people. <laughs> it's the psychology. Uh, uh, yeah. Howard was Howard was rewarded for his actions. Yeah. All of that. He came out on top. He literally came out on top. He was the hero, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. And nothing could be further from the truth. And that, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Some I was... younglings are getting slaughtered <laughs> over this. I also want to defend that the fact that these people made a movie about greed and like corporate <laughs> corporations and consumerism and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, still managed to get people to pay for this movie <laughs> and like the yeah. budget to make it. I really want to see the hard R cut of this film. Mm-hmm. I know it's out there. It has to be. There's no way this wasn't shot first as like a PG-13 or R-rated weird dark comedy. Yeah, I hope there's just yeah. more scenes of Arnold punching reindeer. Like he takes on like all of Santa's reindeer or something He goes like to that. his second warehouse and it's just <laughs> reindeers working, so he punches all them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what would you want to uh, defend about this movie, Dan? 
So there's a couple really good payoffs in this film that I like a lot. And mm -hmm. they, all, they still get me to this day. For a movie like this, we've talked about the tone and everything, so you can't say too much about the writing, but there are a few really good payoffs that always satisfy me. And I want to talk about them because they're really, really funny. Um, Jake Lloyd's character, uh, Jamie, is a... When we meet him, our introduction to him is him getting his purple belt. Mm -hmm. what, I always enjoy it in movies when there's payoffs to things like this. Um, like we talked about Chekhov's gun or Chekhov's pistol where if you show a gun in the first act, you have to fire that. That gun has to be shot in the um, in the third act. Um, this, this is a very similar philosophy to what happens in uh, that Knives Out movie. Um, what's awesome is that when Sinbad is dressed as the uh, Dementor guy and they're fighting, they're, um, he's trying to get the Turbo Man toy from Jamie. And Jamie, on the float, winds up and goes, ah, and kicks him right in the balls, <laughs> like as hard as he can, and drops him. Yeah. He dropped, and he runs off. And I just thought it was, like, one of those little simple payoffs where I was like, they showed us in the first act that he was a karate kid. And then in the third act, what do they do? They give him a moment to actually oh, use yeah. that in a practical self-defense way. And I was like, there's no reason why this movie uh, should, should do something that uh, you know that uh, by the book but it does it and I was just like oh I like that, that that's very satisfying yeah <laughs> um, the other thing that I uh, another thing that I want to defend that I think is very satisfying is um, Liz's reaction to Ted mm -hmm. um, Ted is very obviously preying on her mm -hmm. um, but they never let it get too far like ultimately Liz has Liz is so concerned about the well-being of her family that Ted is completely peripheral despite all of his advances. Yeah. Um, like, she's given this really neat kind of... It, it's an interesting kind of agency because she basically is unfazed by his pervy behavior and just sees him as helping her get through this bad situation. Mm -hmm. um, it's not until the very, very end when she asks Ted to drive them to the to the parade. That's like the only time in the film where she actually uses Ted as a bargaining chip to make her own husband jealous. Yeah. Um, and and then again she gets a payoff where she finally has enough and finally realizes like, see, she's so shocked when Ted brings up feelings. Like she is so not having it that she didn't even cross her mind that Ted had feelings for her. That's how invested she is in her own family unit. Yeah. And then when she realizes it, she smashes him in the face with a, with a, with a thermos. And that was just a really satisfying character moment because it just shows you that like Liz is not a victim and mm -hmm. they don't make her a victim. And I just found that really refreshing because, because if she was a victim, it just would have made Ted just, it would have just made you hurl when you saw him. It's mm. just so gross, but yeah, yeah, I really liked the way that they ultimately wrapped up Liz's arc. Yeah. Like, um, she's really hard on Howard. And uh, if you've stayed till the post credit scene, um, <laughs> she asks she asks Howard what uh, he got her for Christmas. And it's like a sequel bait thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I got to defend the writing around Liz because I just, I love that she was so mm -hmm. uh, invested in her own family that Ted didn't phase her. That's, that's really refreshing in a movie where, yeah. you know, I... I like that. Um, let's see here. What do I else? I love that the kids high-fived when they saw the cat in the hat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and also I really, I really like the... I, I love all the scenes with the police officer, how Arnold keeps inadvertently aggravating that one <laughs> yeah. cop over and over yeah, and over yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> when the cop comes out, Arnold backs into his motorcycle and uh, the cop comes out and he says, you broke my little mirror. <laughs> it's yeah. just like. Oh, I do apologize if I've caused you some sort of a delay. How thoughtless of me, because the last thing that I want on my conscience right now is for a private citizen to somehow be disappointed in the performance of my duty. I was not criticizing the officer. It's just that... Step out of the vehicle. It's it's one thing I always remember about this movie is just how he act. He keeps inadvertently ruining this cop's day over and over and over mm-hmm. again throughout the course of like five or six hours. And so... Yeah, I mean, this movie is just a series of really satisfying character beats and payoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Arnold's character, Howard, he doesn't deserve what he got. Um, no one really deserves what they get in this movie. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. But there is some really good character moment stuff. I think the only guy who gets what he deserves is Ted, if we're yeah. being honest. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, I guess that's what I want to defend about it is just mm-hmm. the... Uh, yeah, just the really satisfying character beats. Yeah. Overall, I would say that the the biggest downside is just realizing how scummy of a father that Howard is. But yeah. the movie itself is highly entertaining. Watching him go through all the events, um, like the way that everything happens and transpires is like highly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It really, really is. It's a it. This movie does not wait for you to catch up. It goes and goes from one set piece to no. the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and Arnold's character is all over the place. Yeah, you know his his kid goes from idolizing this character on TV, who's kind of become the father figure because he doesn't have a good one at home. Yeah, you know where he's quoting him and he's living his life by him. And then, you know, by the end of the movie, Arnold realizes that he can be that hero to his kid. Um, the fundamental problem with this movie is that a, a dad doesn't go from being a bad dad to a good dad in five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what this movie's trying to tell us happens. And that's, yeah. that's just hard. That's just a really hard note to end on. But yeah. it's just, just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, do you have a WTF moment? Um, I think I think for, for the most part, like <laughs> there was definitely a few scenes that I was uh, like a bit in shock about. Um, like when Sinbad chokes the lady. Uh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. That beginning scene with Ted when they're at the karate <laughs> tournament and he's just like so creepy. So creepy. And then, yeah, and then the one with his son drinking as well. I was also like very shocked at that. Uh, what about yeah. what about yourself? Like, do you, ha- do you have any? That's the thing. There's so many famous WTF movements in this film. I feel like we've already mentioned like mm-hmm. almost all of them anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's there's one right there's one right at the beginning that's such a WTF moment for me because it's just something that you don't really ever see in movies is where um where Liz is like at the sink and she's like brushing her teeth or doing something getting ready for bed and she asks Howard if he got the doll and then Liz camera ducks like she moves her head down to presumably into the sink so that the camera can snap zoom into Arnold's face mm-hmm. but it's so obvious of a, of a duck that she has to do like you can you can see the timing right over her face like she whips her head back and then goes forward and it's just it's really off-putting um so that's that that just that sequence to me is such a WTF moment because it, it really sets this weird tone for the film where it's it's part reality and it's part totally Looney Tunes. Yeah. Also, there's this really subtle one that made me laugh so hard that I rewound it and watched it a couple times where 
Um, when Arnold first realizes that he let Jamie down, he comes home and you know Jamie's upstairs drawing and yeah. he shuts him out. And Arnold Arnold walks in and he looks all sad and somber. And then he suddenly just out of nowhere says, "So champ." And it's just the way he says it was. I don't know. I I just burst out laughing yeah. and then rewound it and watched it like six more times because I was like, what? What is he doing? He's oh, just the man. worst dad ever. Yeah. Are those hands registered weapons yet? <laughs> I'm a person and my name is Anakin. Oh, so man. out of touch. I love his one-liners in this movie. They're, they're actually pretty funny. Where's your Christmas spirit? Yeah. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I love that. I want to uh, bottle that and give it to people. On yeah, Christmas. we need a an Arnold soundboard for this. Well, Aaron, it's been uh, it's been a really fun first season, man. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, it's been a it's been a whirlwind. We've had some cool stuff happen. We'll probably do like a uh, a season one post mortem here after um, after we see Star Wars, and then we'll have a lot to talk about then, and we'll wrap everything up. Yeah. But, uh, how do you feel? Oh, it's been exciting, like you said. It's what a whirlwind it's been. I didn't expect us to be where we are, like right now, when we first started this. And so it's just, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to, that people actually want to listen to us and hear us talk about these movies. And so I'm loving it. Well, before we sign off, um, Aaron, if you had to give this movie to someone for Christmas, mm-hmm. and but you had to tell them, you had to convince them to watch it, what would you say? Oh, I'd say, do you like Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners? Do you like yes. 90s dads and baggy clothes? Yes. And yes. do you like superhero rip-offs? Yes. Are you into Christmas commercialization and reindeer? Did you sell your soul to turn your wife into a reindeer so you could sleep with the neighborhood women? Do you want to see where Anakin was before he murdered millions? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just so hard to not. Yeah, it's been, my, oh. it's been my favorite joke of this entire podcast. All right. Well, to us here at In Defense mm-hmm. of a Movie Podcast, we just want to wish everyone happy holidays, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, um, whatever you celebrate, we just ask that you celebrate it uh, responsibly and that you have a great mm-hmm. holiday season. Um, stay safe out there. Don't get trampled by uh, rogue postal workers and, mm-hmm. and terrible 90s dads and big baggy clothing. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys in the new year. I think we got one more jury duty episode where we're going to wrap everything up. It'll probably be like our mm-hmm. season one retrospective. And then we'll take a short break as we kind of um, yeah. plan out the next season. And if you're a dad out there and haven't gotten your kid his <laughs> present yet, you go out. You go out right now and you get that kid his gift. Jamie! <laughs> You put down that cookie. (laughs) Put it down now. (laughs) A special thank you and hello to all of our international listeners around the world. We're so grateful to have you. And uh, yeah, we will see you on the next episode of In Defense Of, a movie podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Aaron. And we're saying, put down that cookie. (laughs) Cookie Jamie. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I'll have a blue Christmas without you.
Thank you very much. 